<laughs> Welcome to Products of Grace, a podcast by Mercy Hill Church. My name is Lawson Harlow, and with me today I have Don Terrell and I have Blake McCullough. So, Don, what are we doing today? So today, <laughs> this is another. Another I don't know why Lawson was rushing to get it started. Well, here's what's funny about this. This is what I felt like. I almost texted text both of you this, actually, and I was like, I think Don doesn't want to do the podcast anymore. Because you can't, cause <laughs> you can't picking it. topics. No, I, these are things that I ponder about. Like, yeah, these yeah. are things that yeah. I'm like, Don's can diary. we... That's his new show. What? Don's Diary. Yeah. Don's Diary. Welcome to Don's Diary. Where the darkness sees the light. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, that's okay. good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Lawson has another podcast show, Elders After Dark. Right? That's a great Lawson. idea. <laughs> well, we I guess we talk about more of this. Uh, yeah, it's like <laughs> in the dark. It's like, but, but it's <laughs> in the it's, dark. It's less. It's less structured. Just sit in the dark. It's at talk. night and it's less structured. It's like so. The way that show would work is, I, I like how our conversations normally go, which is someone just throws a grenade in <laughs> and is like, but we're all sitting around a table, but there's, but there's also women present who are like, are we really doing this again? <laughs> and that's what the whole show would I be. I think we should do a show for, what was it called? Elders After Dark. Elders After Dark. Where we all go get manis and petties. Uh, I will never do that. <laughs> and frankly, I, did you say, so did you for say, a fact, Listeners, no, please don't do this. Men can go get manicures and pedicures. I go and get them. I, and Lawson found out this the other day, and he was like, "Please, don't ever tell anybody." And I go, you "Just told the, I'll the tell millions. everyone." So I was look. I was hanging up. This is not even part of the notes. But I was hanging up gutter guards, and Julie was at the house. And I mean, dude, I got blisters, and I was like, looked at her and I held my hands up in pain because they were blisters on the front of my fingers. I was wearing gloves too, and I go. These hands aren't fit for this type of labor. <laughs> These are Manny and Petty. These are Manny and Petty hands and feet, babe. The Don's house would be and the Julie, opposite of like, my hands look like this, this, so his can look like that. Yeah. And Julie hates going. That's the irony. Oh, there's... So you much, can't even right? like hide it and be like, oh, I mean, she wanted me to come with <laughs> no, her. No, I can't. <laughs> She's like, I can't believe you're going. <laughs> I would yourself. hate to waste my day there. And I'm like, I love spending my day there. <laughs> 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 All right. So today we're going to have fun. <laughs> and I quote, you definitely don't ask Lawson to have fun because one of his former students <laughs> said about Lawson, hi, my name is Captain James Harlow and I hate fun. <laughs> so I think Lawson's problem is he doesn't believe that we can take really sensitive topics. No, he does. And discuss them in, for all intents and purposes, a harmonious agreement. Oh, of course. And have... Have fun real fellowship all the same of time. course we can <laughs> i think he's always uh, my, no, i think no, he's no. concerned about my issues never in our ability never in our ability to do that <laughs> my issue is like so the rand never mind so the one reviewer <laughs> yeah it's like it's like hey uh the john they're all heretics it's like, <laughs> like i've got a confession that says like we're, we're in good company here all right so i was actually in real life contacted by another podcast on how to banter. No, you weren't. Were Real you life. really? Real life. Yep. Who was it? I can't tell you. Ugh. I was sworn to secrecy. Text me. Right now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like massive notes in school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So what I said was, in response to this request, I said, I said, you know, to me, banter 
and, and I got to get this out too. So it's <laughs> selfish because I, I think I started a saying. You know, it's like, do you ever wonder where the sayings come? Like <laughs> slang, like no cap. No oh, please, no. What's another one? Fire, yeah, lit, fire, lit, dummy. Is there a no, phrase? No, I hate that one. Can we put phrases together? Is there a slogan? Is there slang slogans that get created? Because I think I created a slang slogan. What was your slang slogan? I'll tell you. So, <laughs> so this is in response <laughs> he had to, be to asked, this podcast. I know, right? Thanks for asking. <laughs> and so I said to this individual, I said, I think banter is knowing your audience. It's storytelling with an aim for disarming your audience to allow <laughs> you in to then move on to more, to- you know, to a topics yeah, 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 of yeah. substance, right? And I said, I, I use it, banter, as sharing my own life experiences, and I, which I find funny, like first sitcom. person. Yeah, yeah. You live in a sitcom. So here, here's my example. Like Phillips Grocery. Real life. This is what I shared with them. Yeah. I said, so I saw a pic of my son's significant other on ESPN. She's a cheerleader oh. for a D1 school. And I immediately text my son and said, you have outpunted your coverage. <laughs> and I, and it's, not, it's not an insult because I, too... Have outpunted my coverage. We don't respect men who don't outkick their coverage. Yes. Yeah. So I, he texts back and says, he knows. <laughs> and so I said, from experience, I said to him, I texted him back, I said, uh, the best way to keep that girl, as I have done with mine, <laughs> is to keep your jokes fresh and your money stacked. <laughs> <laughs> so the funny thing is, he's on the phone with me the other night and he said, Dad, I show my friends your text, and like that's all they ever say anymore. Like it may be making it, it may be like a thing at state like, in the next couple of months. Cause he's like, if the day's bad or somebody's feeling low about a test or something, they're like, hey, bro, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes fresh, money stacked. <laughs> So I told I told the guy asking me about banter. I said, that's banter. Like that whole story. That's what I texted him. I said, that's banter. Like it's using. It's using like a story of your life yeah. to find common ground because everybody feels as if they've outpunted the coverage Absolutely. according to their significance. Hey, did you did you hear my new quote? What? Uh Boats and Ghouls. Boats, oh and, boats and Ghouls. <laughs> it reminds me of that song. Boats and ghouls. Boats and ghouls. What am I calling? I did the same thing though. I went boats and ghouls. Boots and pants. <laughs> boots and pants. Boots and pants. That's what it is. What is that? Boots it's and off the uh, boots and cat, pants and boots and it? pants and boots and pants. Off uh Shrek? Is yeah, off yeah, Shrek? yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, all right. Uncultured. So how does this all tie in for today? I really don't know. Me either. So we just got done talking about marriage, talking about banter. So today we discuss where we get our idea of a golden anniversary from. You ready for this? You ready for this? Yeah. So with that, gentlemen, let's get hitched and never unhitch. From the Old Testament. (laughs) (laughs) So to get hitched means to get married. The idiom get hitched is unique to America, and it came into use in the mid-1800s. Really? Yep. The expression get hitched compares getting married to teaming a pair of horses to pull a wagon or farm implement. Oh. Mm. The phrase get hitched is not an insult to the people in question. It is a testament to their compatibility. Mm. Farmers only hitch teams of horses who had matched temperaments and whose temperaments complemented each other's though working horses are much rarer today than in the 1800s and most people do not commonly come into contact with the animals the idiom get hitched is more popular today than ever true yeah you know how i think about the old and new testament tell me (laughs) the same way (laughs) 
right? That's yeah. why we would I, never. I you were gonna say through the no, because they're complementary. Yeah, right. Hundred mm, percent, indeed. Okay. I thought that was good. So the golden anniversary. Do you know when you celebrate the golden 50. anniversary? Fifty. I have 50. celebrated one. Not myself. Like with you, like yeah. your, wow. with a previous wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Previous wife, previous <laughs> lifetime. You know, we, so we believe in reincarnation. I was married nineteen years before I was born. Yeah, <laughs> that was very premature. Haven't you heard about soul ties? Sorry, I'm sorry. Stop. I'm sorry. This is how it happens. Oh High gosh. level stupidity there. All right, so the golden anniversary is rooted in the biblical year of jubilee. Is it really? Yeah. Hmm. In some places, it's even referenced. As the Golden Jubilee. Mm. How interesting is that? Mm-hmm. Well. So this, this dates itself to a text, a text exchange. Often like. Just so you know, all of our podcasts actually argue. come from Don's text messages. <laughs> yeah, a lot of them. He starts it. <laughs> I start it. It's all intentional. <laughs> so do you know what happens? I text a buddy of mine. Do you know what happens on the year of Jubilee? I do. And he said, text me back. Everyone gets freedom who was a slave. Debts are emptied. And he goes, why are you texting me this? And it's actually our producer. I was texting the producer. Uh, <clears throat> and he goes, does that mean you're going to do it on a podcast, sad face? <laughs> you know, it's like the, <laughs> what are you doing again? <laughs> so I put, it means the title of the next podcast is Year of Jubilee. Year of Jubilee. And subtitle slavery <laughs> okay so here we go let's read leviticus 25 47 through 55 lawson you have your bible i already have it pulled up if you want nice. me. i mean you can read nice. it no, bro you ready go all right so <laughs> if a stranger or sojourner with you becomes rich and your brother besides him becomes poor and sells himself to the stranger or sojourner with you or to be a member of the stranger's clan or to a member of the stranger's clan. Sorry, I messed that up. Then after he is sold, he may be redeemed. One of his brothers may redeem him, or his uncle or his cousin mm. may redeem him, or a close relative from his clan may redeem him. Or if he grows rich, he may redeem himself. He shall calculate with his buyer from the year when he sold himself to him until the year of Jubilee. And the price of his sale shall vary with the number of years. The time he was with his owner shall be rated as the time of a hired worker. If there are still many years left, he shall pay proportionately for his redemption some of his sale price. If there remain a, but a few years until the year of Jubilee, he shall calculate and pay for his redemption in proportion to his years of service. He shall treat him as a worker hired year by year. He shall not rule ruthlessly over him in your sight. And if he is not redeemed by these means, then he and his children with him shall be released in the year of Jubilee. For it is to me that the people of Israel are servants, they are my servants whom I brought out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. All right, so that has to do specifically with slavery within the nation of Israel when they were led out into the wilderness and God spoke to them the law. Hmm. And so that's part of the economy of God's law. Right? Mm -hmm. that right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I found... A article that was really helpful. It's like there's some myths, I think, that get propagated around the year of Jubilee. Mm. So this author says that there's five myths. Number one, Jubilee means, this is myth number one, Jubilee means a forgiveness of debt. Hmm. So he goes on to say, like, and we could post this article, but it's really interesting. It seems to me there was buying out leases and prepaying leases and prepaying yeah. for crops. And so myth one, 
is that it doesn't just blanket forgiveness of debt. Myth two, he states, Jubilee involves a redistribution of wealth or land. That's myth number two. Myth number three, Jubilee shows the relative nature of private property. Myth number four, Jubilee leads to income equality. That's a myth. Hmm. Myth number five, Jubilee is a universally applicable principle. Hmm. Because this has actually made its way into like modern day vernacular around how can we then create economic um, like growth. Yeah. People have said, like, well, I think we could go back to the year of Jubilee as an example. Wouldn't that spur economic growth to have all balance sheets cleared, you know, redistribute? And so they kind of work through like, well, year of Jubilee number one is forgiveness of all debt, redistribution of wealth, you know, all this. But I mean, what does stand is real out of this year of Jubilee on the 50th year was the ability to, if you were a slave or a slave owner, for there be to a, a transaction of forgiveness, I mean, a transaction of um, freedom. Yeah. Hmm. You're like sitting on go, Lawson. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm, not I'm listening. I'm being guided by All the right, hand. So <laughs> why would it be wrong to say that the Bible is pro-slavery? Because it never prescribes it. Okay. Which Tell is us. a, huh? Tell us. Well, it what just you mean? color some, that in for me. Yeah, so like say? just what? because, just because the Bible. I you said that first. <clears throat> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Just because the just because the Bible describes it, and just because the Bible gives stipulations around it, does not mean that it then prescribes it. Right. Do you think it was prescribed? So I think. Let me just say this. I think it was prescribed to the nation of Israel. How so? Well, that it was it was it was worked in ethically into prescription, into this is how you will function in society. Functioning in society within the historical nation of Israel was the ability to legally own slaves. I think assumed may be a better word than prescribed. Okay. Yeah, because prescribed mind. is go do this. Uh, and it, it seems to me in the Old Testament, it was like, this is how you do what you're already doing. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think like they're obviously it's very important that we distinguish. <laughs> by the way, because everybody in their mind they hear slavery, they think of American slavery. That's not where we are right yeah. now. Well, that's what I was really important say. to clarify that. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you read through that, you pay very close attention, and there was there was transaction that was taking place there. There was there could be wealth accrued. There was inside, choice, <laughs> and like the relationships that were present, God made very clear stipulations around that they could not be vicious or hateful relationships. Like mm. they were treated as image bearers and rightly so. Yeah. Um, and they indentured themselves. It and they did. Like, absolutely. You know, with, with a chance of freedom, with a chance of having a family and having that whole family come out. And even furthermore, with a chance of saying, you know what, I don't want to go anywhere. Mm. I'll stay here with you. And mm-hmm. there's clear text around that. Um, so I have another Bible section to read. I don't know why I have it written, but before we move on, but I was still it. on the prescription thing. Sorry, go for it. My apologies. Yeah, because I'm not fill your prescriptions. Don't, don't call yeah. Lawson and complain. Lawson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so the I I don't think we could ever say that the Bible prescribes it. Mm-hmm. It actually seemingly like like cities devoted to destruction. They're actually like mm-mm, which some people you could kind of deal with this how you wish, but it's like wipe them all out. Don't mm-hmm. take slaves. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so like that's dealing with God with God using Israel as an executing force of His justice. Mm-hmm. He's not don't take slaves, mm-hmm. execute them. Mm-hmm. Um, but so like when we look at that and a demonstration of His wrath, as a demonstration of His wrath, a just demonstration of His wrath at that. And so all demonstration of His wrath is just. By the way. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> But what? It's just funny. Self correction. You were watching my watch. systematic. <laughs> my, uh, 
but <laughs> recalibrate. <Yeah>. But <laughs> but the 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 difference again between prescription and description and even giving specific code around how you are to do it. I think we can't say his coding of how to do it appropriately is him say divorce mm. for instance. That's what I was about to say, yeah, divorce is another one. Like God gave the certificate of divorce for the hardness of heart, not because he would prescribe it. But I would draw a caveat there <laughs> to say God hates divorce. Agree. But I don't necessarily know that with that slavery within the economy of the of of the nation Be very specific Israel, here. Yeah, which yeah, I yeah. am drilling yeah, yeah. down. Yeah. That he would say, I hate that institution. Fair? That's where I just I struggle with the word slavery because it encompasses so many different things. Its connotation is very heavily loaded. Right. Yeah. And so this, this seems like indentured servanthood. We, but this is the issue when we go to standpoint epistemology. Yeah, for sure. And like modern day interpretation. Yeah. Is that that would give credence to a lot of people and a lot of quote unquote Bible teachers have said, oh, that's an angry God in the Old Testament. That's of not course not. We yeah, we're not. Now. Yeah. Like, he, like, look what he did. So let's unhitch from that. Well, well you, that's not. Yeah, you have to you have to deal with the reality that there are stipulations around slavery in the Old Testament and there are stipulations around slavery in the new as well. Right. Yeah. There are multiple commandments about slaves and masters recognizing that that relationship still exists. Mm. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. So Exodus 21, 1 through 11. Okay. Somebody read that. Not me. I've already got a verse that I've got oh, marked. Well, and, Blake's hmm. going. I'm here. I've scrolled. I got you. You ready? I saw a meme the other day that was like, uh, the, reason, the reason our world is so corrupt is because men don't preach from the Bible anymore. They preach from their iPads. Years. I, I rolled so hard. I love when he that's why I preach from, from paper iPad. now. I know. That's right. That's right. Because <laughs> you're not a wretched sinner like those iPads. I just love leans over the pulpit and gets real close. Glow. And it glows. I just don't like the glow, man. I don't like the glow. I think he's over there like turning the brightness up. <laughs> I assure you I'm not. Like visual effects. <laughs> he puts it on flash. <laughs> I did that right when I said boats and ghouls. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> All right. Uh, Exodus 21. You said 1 through 11? Yeah. Now these are the rules that you shall set before them. When you buy a Hebrew slave, he shall serve six years, and in the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. If he comes in single, he shall go out single. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master gives him a wife and she bears him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out alone. But if the slave plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, mm. I will not go out free, then his master shall bring him to God, and he shall bring him to the door uh, or the doorposts. And his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall be his slave forever. When a man sells his daughter as a slave, he shall not go out as the male slaves do. She shall not go out as the male slaves do. If she does not please her master, who has designated her for himself, then he shall let her be redeemed. He shall have no right to sell her to a foreign people since he has broken faith with her. If he designates her for his son, he shall deal with her as with a daughter. If he takes another wife to himself, he shall not diminish her food, her clothing, or her marital rights. And if he does not do these three things for her, she shall go out for nothing without payment of money. I'm at the parallel passage in Deuteronomy 15 right now. That's where I was going. Sorry, I got one more. Verse 16. Whoever steals a man and sells him and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. Yep. All right, so so we have a caveat here, right? It is a very important caveat. Very important caveat, which does speak to really more like probably the framework that everyone normally interprets slavery through, which is historical, most near to us. So man-stealing is wrong. Yeah. 
it, it broke God's law. <clears throat> Why would that be? Lost oh, ones. because it treats people not as image bearers. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's like a, it's well, also it's stealing like is wrong. Yeah, just a yeah that too. Just just to carry this. <laughs> <Here we go. laughs> like, That's a good like, point. Blake. <laughs> like, we're, we're like, Thanks, we're like over here. It's like stealing's wrong. Um, so, First Timothy. Julie's going to give you kudos on that. Yeah, hundred percent. First Timothy has Thanks, the Julie. same. First Timothy ten. So like just the New Testament concept: okay. the sexually immoral men who practice homosexuality, enslavers or man stealers, liars, perjurers. These are the people who will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Like and so like that's that's that same phrasing that same structure brought forward and it is it's it's not treating people as image bearers of god it's treating them as property which you know you have inside of that exodus account like there is there is ownership to some degree but not like someone who takes an image bearer and treats them as cattle mm. yeah okay so why was there's unique protections like, do you hear the protections inside of that verse oh, yeah, from yeah, Exodus yeah. 21? It, it's an economic institution. Absolutely, it was. It really it is. It was, yeah. Like, and there's description. I would draw pause around prescription, but it, it seems to be that it was not like the institution of divorce, which God hates. It seems like he's instituting an institution here that in some sense flourished. Hmm. Yeah, and and... Actually, in some cases, helped yes. helped those who were in slavery yes. flourish. Yes. And that's why it's the connotation of the word that's like, I, the second it comes out of someone's mouth, they are not thinking about Israelite slavery that took place yeah. inside, of the, inside of the covenant community. Mm-hmm. They're thinking about the horrid mis... I mean, abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, of, of people based upon ethnicity, based on, like they've treated them as property and, and less than image bearers, which is mm-hmm. a sinful, sinful, wicked thing. So this is all, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to give some of maybe the forward thought in this now, instead yeah. of holding it. So, you know, it's like, it's like the greatest irony isn't people mad at America, right? It's, it's or, or me, mad, about historical slavery, which I think you have every right to be within the context of our nation, or the fact that many people within current history owned slaves or were either, you know, ancestors were <clears throat> slaves that were owned. Everybody has an ancestor that at one point was a slave. Yes. So it, it's the fact, if you take a cardinal issue with it and don't understand it, than being unwise, and when you encounter it in God's word, you'll charge God with sin. I totally agree with this. Okay, so this is, this is kind of where this is. So think about it this way. Let my people go. Yeah, Moses yeah. tells the bad master, yeah. right? Enslaved an entire nation. Yeah. Made them work by, I mean, the blood of their brow. But God says, submit my members to God as one enslaved, bought with a price. Mm. And I say yes and amen to the good master. Yeah. So you get to the point that, the, you get to the point of the gospel, and, and then we have to begin to understand the institution is good. Mm. God is good. I am mm. his slave, and he is a good master. He cares for all my needs and is my defender and protector. If we define the institution as sinful, then we fail to understand our position in him, and that's, a, that's ultimately a gospel issue. Mm. Yeah. Thoughts, Lawson? 
I know you're full of them. <laughs> well, yeah, but I was working through. Uh, you went somewhere else that I didn't think you were going. <laughs> oh, really? So I'm prepared. I'm prepared. I'm prepared to respond to the first part of what you said, but not the second part okay, of what you so said. So let's move back. Moderator, to, could I have five minutes? <laughs> <laughs> so let's move back to why was slavery allowed in the nation of Israel? Yeah. What's interesting is it it is and it isn't. Okay. So let me tell you why the isn't portion. Okay. So uh, this is Deuteronomy 15, which, by the way, is a parallel passage to the one that you just read. Uh, so he says, if your brother, a Hebrew man, this is, sorry, 1512, if, Deuteronomy 1512, <laughs> if your brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman is sold to you, he shall serve you six years in the seventh year. You shall let him go free from you. And when you let him go free from you, you shall not let him go empty handed. Mm-hmm. You shall furnish him liberally out of your flock, out of your threshing floor and out of your wine press. Uh, as the Lord your God has blessed you, you shall give to him. Now, this is, it links it to our understanding of slavery in Egypt and distinguishes it from slavery in Egypt to a unique form of slavery that took place in Israel. Because verse 15 says, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this today. And so it's like it always has that Exodus account in mind that mm. you were liberated from slavery. Mm. And so as you go now and as that kind of concept makes its way inside and someone makes themselves a slave to you by selling themselves mm. to you, you will not treat them the way the Egyptians treated you. Mm. Mm. It's forbidden. Do, do mm. you think that's an example of like the world's ability to perverse and God's and, and God's like when when he calls something good and then and then describes the economy of the institution, like you know, saying like the world takes so many things. Think about marriage, think about sexual intercourse. I mean, there's just so much that the world is a good gift from God, and it iniquity is what you're working through. Yes, yeah, the twisting yes. of good gifts. So it seems like, in my opinion, like what was happening in Egypt was a perversion. It was an it was an iniquity. Yeah, so maybe what you're working through is kind of the the shadow substance perspective that's not shadow substance from Old Testament to New Testament, but the shadows of how we live today. It's like, for instance, I adopt someone into my family or I get married and I'm living inside of a shadow. Well, what's the substance of that shadow? The substance of that shadow is Christ and church or the means or the father adopting us into our into his family. In the same way that when we think about slavery, um, there is a very true sense, and I argue for this. I mean, you know, people fight over the word doulos. Does it mean bond servant? Does it mean slave? I, said, I, I just think it means slave. Mm. Like, I don't think we have to work super hard at that. I think it's pretty clear. And so the issue is we have difficulty mimicking that shadow because that shadow is not like, or that substance is not like the shadows we have because we are not like an individual who's brought into the kingdom of God submits to one Christ, who is his superior in every way, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. Inside of slavery, whether it be in Egypt or in Israel, Mm. that's not the case. Mm. We submit to one who is ontologically our equal. Mm. Yeah, That's good. Good talk. (laughs) Just thought about that. So uh, what is the... So moving to like the New Testament, right? Because you still see, you know, we're covering slavery in Israel. Yeah. But you still see slavery in Rome, like an occupied, yeah, you know, nation of Israel. Yeah, you still see slavery there. So, why did Paul tell slaves to stay, to live as they were called? Yeah, that's fascinating. It really is interesting. Okay, so here's my follow-up. Question. Yeah, let me hear it because I'm curious. 
What is the means that Paul trusted to provide both temporal and eternal freedom from slavery? The gospel. Okay. Lay it out. Um, so God is holy. Man sinned. <laughs> the gospel or? Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're a sweet, sweet man, boy. Yeah, sweet, precious man. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I think the clearest case of this is Philemon. I think the, it's Philemon. Okay, well, we can fight about that later. I always want to say it like I'm Jamaican. What does your professor say? Philemon. Is that what it is? Is it Philemon? <laughs> Philemon is how I hear most people say it, but I always want to say Philemon. Philemon. Like with the mon at the like end. Like Philemon. You know? Yeah. Um, but so what I think is interesting is inside of the relationship between Paul, Philemon, Philemon, or Philemon, and Onesimus. Hmm. Paul makes an appeal to Philemon, I'm sticking with that, to release Onesimus, essentially making an argument based upon the economy of the gospel. Mm-hmm. So he says, okay, Onesimus... to define the word economy? Economy is how things interact and exchange. That's my... Your, your definition is probably going to be better than mine. No, I mean, I think that's fair. I mean, when we're talking about the economy of the institution of slavery, like we're starting to use economy quite a bit. Now it's yeah, the so economy of the gospel. The interworkings or exchangings of, yeah, right? The roles may be another way to think about it. Because when we think about the Trinity, we think about it on the ontological and the economical. Mm-hmm. Um, but neither here nor there. But inside of this... You know, the, you know the example I always gave, fifth and sixth grade boys when I taught? Oh, so I want to hear this. So when you go into Walgreens, Walgreens has an economy. There's things on the shelf for sale. You have currency, and there's an authority that lets you out the door. Oh. So how does the economy of Walgreens you pick work? Everything, it's the you pay exchange it, you walk out. of goods for another to have the freedom to go. Was this you teaching on Probably. gospel things or Probably. the economy? <laughs> Both. <laughs> He's like, let me tell you how to use your money. Let me tell yeah. you how to keep your jokes fresh and your cash your money stacked. stacked. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I'm getting better at the liturgy. Yeah, I'm proud I of like you. It. I feel good about it. Um, but inside of this conversation that Paul makes, this argument that Paul makes with Philemon, Essentially, on the basis of Onesimus, he essentially tells him that, hey, whatever Onesimus owes you, I'll pay. So any debt that he has, credit it to my account, and I want you to think of Onesimus like me. Mm-hmm. He, is, he is just making a gospel argument. Mm-hmm. And you really get to see the idea of substitutionary atonement mm-hmm. inside of this picture. And so, you know, Paul's saying he's a brother just like I'm a brother. Mm-hmm. And, you're, and, he's, and he's your slave, but I'm telling you, he's better off with me mm-hmm. being good for the, for the kingdom. But if he comes back to you, I entrust that you'll do what's right and good. Mm-hmm. And Paul does presuppose that what's right and good is that he let Onesimus go, mm-hmm. that he grant him his freedom. Yeah. I just think it's really beautiful. And he says... For this, perhaps, is why he was parted from you for a while, mm. that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but yeah. more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother. Mm. So good. Yeah. So, did the year of Jubilee, we're moving back again, okay, I'm back. the nation of Israel, did the year of Jubilee only apply to fellow Israelites or to all slaves? Barely certain it was all slaves. Yeah, I always thought all slaves. Too. Yeah, yeah, that's everybody. What, what my research has concluded. Yeah. So is slavery sinful or is it the abuse of slaves that is sinful? Like thinking about within the economy of the nation of Israel. So let's ask, it, let's ask it this way. We're, okay. Once again, 
hear the words inside of the economy of Israel. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask this question. Would you need to make atonement for your ownership of slaves inside of national Israel? No. I'll go with no. It's never prescribed. Final answer? Final answer. It's never prescribed. If there's no need to make atonement for it, then I think we could say that it was not sinful to own slaves. However, if you look at those guidelines to Mm -hmm. violate them, Mm -hmm. was sinful even even unto execution. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, what you notice from this, and this is, by the way, when I was working through Deuteronomy, you get to the preservation of people. So like when you're dealing with Deuteronomy's assessment of thou shalt not murder, which is many chapters inside of Deuteronomy, there's this overwhelming sense of the dignity of man. Mm. And mm. it's like, you do not kill, you do not harm, you do not strike an image bearer from hatred. Mm. Um, an accid- even an accidental blow, if you are not intelligent about, how, about what you do immediately mm. after that, like mm. if you don't flee to a refuge city and someone kills you, that's not on them. Mm. It's like, you take a life, you harm someone, then it's treated with the utmost severity. Mm. And so inside of the slavery that took place in Israel, man, I'm telling you, like, there's sometimes when I look at that and I think, Man, you're under the wings of someone. Mm-hmm. Their responsibility is to care for you, mm-hmm. protect you, provide for you. Like, it, it, it had, let me say it this way it has nothing in common with the slavery that took place in America. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Do, you think, uh, do you think Moses gives an example within the institution of slavery in Egypt and the sinfulness thereof mm-hmm. of like judgment? You know what I'm saying? When he kills. When he kills the Egyptian mm. for manhandling yeah. or I mean, treating them as cattle. Yeah. Like, do you think that, like, I've always wondered when you look at him as a testimony of like God's judgment. Yeah. Was he, when he fled into Egypt, Hebrews says that he went in to, re, in, in to bear, he, he, he saw yeah. bearing the reproach of Christ mm. as greater good than staying in the luxury of Egypt. And I can't help but look at that passage and say, is that saying when he killed the Egyptian? When he killed the Egyptian, like, should we use the word murder there? Like on a past episode, we use murder. And I'm like, is that a fair representation of what he did? I've kind of thought of that always as as him, yeah, as him taking being the judge and jury into his own hands. But do you think that instead of trusting the salvation provided by the Lord? But that's, I could be off on that. I mean, I, so let's be serious. Scripture's silent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should whisper yeah. where scripture whispers. <laughs> Which is a real thing when it's true. No, that's what I'm but saying. I think, <laughs> yeah, but I think it's relevant <laughs> to this conversation because I think you get like this yeah. representation of terrible slavery in Egypt and God says in the wilderness. So every time, every time someone dies, it's not murder. Right. right. If yeah, someone yeah, dies yeah. at my yeah. hand, it, it is not by necessity murder. Right. Right. Which, which I think does need to be taken into account in the case of Moses. And so, you know, very, I can imagine, I mean, you know. Like, is it an opportunity to compare these two forms of institution, the economies of them, and God's judgment against one okay, and so not the other? Okay, so a simple way to say it is Moses would kill the Egyptian, but he would, he would see the Israelites walk by with their, with their slaves without, without thinking, judgment. I need to kill that person. Yeah, because what I'm getting at is Paul does what? With, with Philemon. He contends yeah. to his conscience. He yeah. says, look, brother, look at the revealed will yeah. of God. Yeah. Look in the totality of the gospel. Yeah. Now look at your ethic. Yeah. And so I think like taking that back into Moses as that revelation continues to unfold yeah. and God continues to reveal himself. Yeah. 
like what you have in that Old Testament is that you would have he would have been angered and disgusted with the Egyptians in the way that they treated the Israelites as slaves. But yet in the economy that's described by God in Deuteronomy and Exodus and Leviticus, then there would be a... I mean, Moses would, would judge over that, and he would judge rightly. Yeah. He was a judge of Israel. Yeah, mm, absolutely. I'm expecting you to give me some color after I said all that. <laughs> I mean... I, <laughs> or are you just blessed by it? <laughs> I, 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 I mean, like, I, think, I think the distinction matters. Or Blake, I'm sorry. Blake. I mean, like, <laughs> Blake has a voice. I like, I like what you said. <laughs> no you have, colors you have here. have good words. Thanks. Yeah. It's like he, he handed us a, a, coloring, a coloring book page. It's like, I see how honest. Good. So, but Moses would judge Israel in the sense that he would condemn man-stealing. Yeah. yeah. And it would seem he would condemn mistreatment. Yeah. Of, yeah. Because did the... Like, did the slave in that economy... It seems like the slave in that economy has rights and a voice. Oh, my goodness. And a position and a standing before God Almighty. And hope for a future. Yeah. A physical yeah. future. Yeah. But, but not only hope for a future, it's protected while they hope for that future. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, yeah, hope yeah. in the biblical sense of a surety. Yeah, certainly. And, and I, I do think one of the... So I'm working th- in an hour. I'm teaching through Ruth. Right, Ruth had two options: be redeemed, sell this herself in into slavery. Here shortly, but when you're listening to it, it's, it's, it it's not happened. the next thing. Yeah. You missed it. So, you missed it. Yeah. So, so it's like just hang on in yeah. an hour. As soon as we hang up, I'm teaching on Ruth. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> by myself to the computer. It's gonna be like an so, hour of silence, yeah, and then yeah. it's just gonna out of nowhere be like, all right. So turn to Ruth chapter one. So <laughs> bonus. But, but Ruth had Ruth had two options. Ruth could have sold herself into slavery. Right. Ruth, three options, I guess. Ruth could have gone the very sinful route of prostituting herself out. Right. And then Ruth could trust that the Lord would provide a redeemer. Mm. Those are the three options. Mm. Boaz praises her Mm. because she was willing to submit to the best possible route, which was to be redeemed. Mm. Um, But nonetheless, like Naomi and Ruth living in Israel during those days, this is during the days of judges, like it would, their options. Naomi's probably best option mm. was to sell herself into slavery, have someone keep watch over her as a member of their family mm. and like be brought under those wings. Mm. Um, and, uh, and so like, I think it is a protective institute mm. um, inside yeah, of, inside of Israel. So here's where I'm at with it. It has, it has within the historical context an economic means to it, like a yeah. means to an end. Yeah. And a lot of times it was either the means to clear debt yeah. or preserve life. Yeah. Okay. Mm. All right. So Hebrews nine, Hebrews nine ten. We might have to read Hebrews nine nine and nine ten. Don't go crazy. I know, right? We slinging some verses today. Do you want me to read it? Yeah. Which is symbolic for the present age. According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper but deal only with food and drink and very various washings regulations for the body imposed until the time of reformation have you ever like looked at this I need time some explanation of, here, right, yeah yeah time of reformation like up until the time of reformation like it's saying like all of that temple ministry and i mean you gotta think the temple ministry was central central to the whole national identity and economy of the nation of Israel, central to it. Yeah. I mean, these slaves would have been free as long as Israelites to 
worship alongside their masters, Absolutely. bring tithes and offerings. Yep. Would have participated in Passover, would have participated in Day of Atonement. They have four rights of citizenship. Yeah. 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 So, you know, all of these, all of this temple ministry up until the time of Reformation, like it exists up until the time of Reformation, what would have reformed or what did reform? Like why no longer temple ministry? Because Christ is better. Yeah. So Christ is the great (laughs) reformer. He is. Yeah. Yeah. So in Ephesians, it says that he abolished by fulfillment all of the laws and ordinances, yeah. right? Can we say that? 100%. I mean, you're grinning like the Cheshire I'm grinning because there. someone challenged me on the concept of abolishing and fulfillment and anyway. Uh, uh, he pours the cup full. Yeah. He says it's over. Yeah. But it doesn't mean like over that you like discard it. Yeah. Like you can still learn from it, right? Right. It's still contextually relevant that the Old Testament institution of slavery still can teach us about the gospel. Very much so. Very much so. So like now that slavery... It's almost like that every institution that was present know, right? is there to teach us about these things. So there's an author, an author and he says, I'll quote him. I need to find, I need to start. I didn't add his name. I'm sorry, but it is not me. Just write Ed Litton at the bottom. Stop it. Yeah. Blake McCullough said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not says, wearing a bow tie today, so I he can't was t- he That's was, your story. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's the problem. That's what's, actually, well, I, Lawson feel, set I feel our better today. Up, and we're like, each one of us are six feet away. We are I don't not. know if we're social distancing <laughs> That is not here. true. I think there's like, there's plastic film between <laughs> each of us. This is not real. Lawson, take your face mask off. It says, so here's what he says. Here's what Blake McCullough says. He says, in one sense, then the whole ceremonial law in Leviticus, in Leviticus is obsolete for the Christian. In one sense. Okay. It says, we are interested in the sacrifice of Christ, not in animal sacrifice. But in another sense, the, Le- the Levitical rituals are still of immense relevance. They shout. It was in terms of these sacrifices that Jesus himself and the early church understood his atoning death. Leviticus provided the theological models for their understanding. If we wish to walk in our Lord's steps and think his thoughts after him, we must attempt to understand the sacrificial system of Leviticus. Fair. Now, I think that I wish applies. I did say that. <laughs> was well, said, really Blake. well said, Blake. <laughs> <laughs> I think that applies to, you know, I'm not going to go as far as say the Old Testament uh, 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 economy of slavery within Israel was an ordinance, but it is an economy. I think you'd call it institution. And it seems like that temple ministry and much of that economy and those institutions existed up until Christ. And then up until his time, his death, burial, resurrection, he abolishes. I mean, totally abolishes those things. I mean, I think if you think about Ephesians right, you're looking at a crumbled wall. Yeah. You're looking at a veil torn, yeah. full and ready access. What is that, Hebrews 10? It, mm-hmm. it reminds me of Luther's. I saw the gates of heaven swung wide open. Yes. Yeah. It's like there's no barrier. All right, so here's where I want to camp out the rest of our conversation. So the economy within the nation of Israel was to either preserve life or clear debt. So in Romans, he says, now we should think this way. Submit our members as slaves to God. Yeah. Slaves to righteousness. Mm -hmm. So it seems to me that we are debtors in some sense to the best master ever. Absolutely. Like, mm, he's cleared. All right, so let's talk about, in Romans, how we were once slaves to sin under a terrible master, 
and totally and completely helpless in debt. I hate the words I'm about to say. What? So in the Exodus. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the whole thing. That's, that's the entire picture, right? The entire picture is you were once slaves to the law, slaves to sin. Where did that have you? It had you in Egypt awaiting deliverance mm-hmm. to be brought into through miraculous means into a better slavery under God. I, if you pay close attention right after they cross, right after they cross the river, the river, the sea, <laughs> they do cross the river. They do. <laughs> they do later. Um, the water. Yeah, water. Um, they are brought under the, I mean, they're brought under the headship and leadership of God very clearly. I am your God. I delivered you out of the land of Egypt. He, he makes this so plain. He's like, mm. he's brought them under his headship, under his leadership, under his yoke, mm. right? And says, live this way. And the whole time you have over it, I think all those, the illustration that you use from Exodus 21, and I think Deuteronomy 15 as well, the the person who's brought out from under slavery to sin and mm-hmm. brought under slavery to God. And tyranny to the devil. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Because that's the fear former of, master. Yeah, because he mm-hmm. rules over us, but through the fear of with death. With fear, with the instrument yeah. of fear. Absolutely. He, he then, or we, in response to our deliverance, would look back at him and say, uh, if, if he ever said, it's the year of Jubilee, you can go free. It's like, no, mm-hmm. I'm not going free. Mm-hmm. Driving all through my year. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll stay here because mm-hmm. this is the better master. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather have you watching over me, preserving my life, protecting me from the enemy. Like I'd much rather be under your wings mm-hmm. than be than be a free man. Which we even have shadows of that in the Exodus, where Moses says to God, "Like I'm not going to go if you're not going to go." Mm-hmm. You know, like those moments yeah. of like we we want that goodness from our master yeah. w- everywhere we go. Yeah. Well, it seems like the debt like that we would have under like that old tyrannical master. Yeah. And the fear that we had, the debt we could never pay and the and the death that we were experiencing. Like now under Christ, like there's no debt. You see what I'm saying? Like he yeah. does not count any transgressions. Like there's nothing that's counted against us. You know, there's like no measure of debt. Like he in fact canceled the measure of debt. That yet, like our functioning relationship, we're not compelled to serve him through debt. Yeah. It's through gratitude. I mean, it's just crazy to me. It's through gratitude and love, like that Mm. we would submit our members to him, acknowledging him to be the better master. Yeah. Mm. So here's my question. Here's my question. It's like the hearers presented with in, in the New Testament, like Christ says, if you, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, like you have no part in me. Yeah. And you know, they're like, what did he just say? How can this man? <laughs> yeah. And they fail to understand yeah. like what he's presenting to them. So I guess my question was, like my thought in all of this is, are we in the same way met with a difficult saying? Mm. And, and those that don't have eyes to see it to be a lovely doctrine, like to be enslaved to God. Like, should it, so I guess here's where I'm at. Should it be abolished by the gospel from practice? Like, here's where I'm at. Like, so think about should like, what? Sorry, you said slavery. Yet. Okay, gotcha. Like, so let's move it to modern day. Okay. And should, should it be abolished from, from practice? Like, if Christ is the means of reformation. Yes, the answer is yes. yes. The answer yes. is yes. There's no Sorry, question yeah, yeah. here. And, and it's not only. <laughs> I thought you were like leading us toward no, and I was like, no, what? I, I, it didn't what matter. I, I, would, I would sit here and big fight, and then we'd have a conversation about removing an <laughs> elder. Uh, <laughs> the. Um, <laughs> the uh, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to. 
Like, how are we recovering yeah. from this? But <laughs> what did I miss words? Did I miss words? Or I didn't know. know I didn't know what you meant. This whole podcast is recorded in also, fear. <laughs> yeah, that's part of yeah, it. Yeah, it's like <laughs> we don't know. We just come in. It's like I'm going to stand. That's you not know. true. Yeah, we Lawson, know. We know. Hold on, let me say this for the group. <laughs> okay. And the audience, Lawson has peppered me all week. I need to see your notes. I need to see your notes. We are talking about one of the most sensitive topics Big known facts. to man. And I'm like, it is so true. But contextually, yeah. Biblically, right, let me, we're let me, in a safe space. Also, shh, I have can we also say that your notes are worthless? They are <laughs> literally they're, they're, they're as valuable trash. as mine. <laughs> like if you're not if you're not That's in my, I text back yeah. and I was like read between the lines. <laughs> I text you the book the and I'm like, yeah, yeah. this is a living conversation. Don, Don looks <laughs> at my notes and he's document. like, how do you preach from these? I'm like, how do you how do you organize a thought? Anyway, oh, so <laughs> yes, it should be abolished. It should, and I think I think. Uh, Paul's letter to Philemon is the greatest demonstration of that mm. uh, because why would the apostle then argue against that? Like, mm. why not stay mm. as a brother? Instead, mm. he, he, he pleads for his freedom. So the first, I think, is an apostolic understanding, but the second one is experiential. Wherever Christianity goes and flourishes, it slavery, slavery is it abolished. Reforms. It reforms. Yeah, it does. And and just just as a side note here, because I do want to bring this it in, abolishes it does. and it reform it reforms right. and abolishes. It does. So let's 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 move forward because I think this is an important point. We have to talk about it, right? So if we move forward into America, right, the South was the least religious part of America. Hmm. That's we we forget that because now it's the Bible Belt, right? It was not. Um, it was the furthest thing from it. It was a bunch of pagans, and they fled from the colonies because that was the most religious place on the planet at the time, hmm. right? You think about Yale and Harvard and all these Ivy League schools. They were the places where there was great gospel light, and it's the reason that I think Reformation started there and then worked its way down. Hmm. But, you know, when it did make its way down, when Christianity really did take a foothold, when the, when the gospel was being proclaimed, when the Imago Dei was being taught clearly— what you had was pastors looking around and saying no. Mm. Um, and that's, that's a really important point mm. because I, sometimes I think there's this idea that Christianity birthed it. Mm. No. Right. And if I could speak more harshly, I would. Mm. <laughs> um, no. Uh, it did the furthest thing from it. It destroys it everywhere it goes. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, like one of the frustrations you can imagine and resistances to the gospel was that it demands you have a high view of every other person mm. around you. Of neighbor. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. Okay. I mean, you can apply that to women like in, in Absolutely. the first century mm. as well. Which think about the protection that there was for women inside of of Israel. Going back to that chapter in Deuteronomy that dealt with uh, that dealt with um, Thou shalt not murder, and then also thou shalt not commit, a, uh, commit, commit <laughs> adultery. Sorry, um, there. Like if you read through those, what you hear, what's the what's the shouting theme? Is you will regard men, women, and children as image bearers. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Now we can go where you're going to go. All right. So should we? <laughs> and, and we're using a lot of it. So when I say it, this is should we <laughs> abolish it? Slavery. In the in the Exodus account, in, in the Deuteronomy account, in the Leviticus account, should we should we abolish it? You know, it's like I think so much now, like we have this in hindsight, this revisionist history, and so it's like I think we have to be careful, like to look back on biblical uh, historical account, understand its purpose, understand who the true reformer is, who and by what means and through what means was it abolished mm -hmm. and keeps it abolished and keeps reforming it. 
But, you know, it's like, should we go back into the Bible and say, no, 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 we, we can't teach that? Should we shy mm. away from it? Mm-mm. No, and I, I would no. say It's no. a great so danger. Because it's a slippery slope. What else are we not going to teach? Yeah. That's not popular presently. Yeah, I think one of the greatest deterrents for people as they enter the church, um, as they have questions about things in the scripture, is the shy away method. Mm. It's like, I mean, I, y'all probably had this when you were growing up. You ask a question to someone in the faith. <laughs> bro, we're Southern Baptists. Water to wine. <laughs> oh, bro. I saw I saw somebody post something on that, and I lost it. It's it was like, like, that was Fanta grape somebody, soda. Somebody said, it was a meme of Jesus turning the water into wine, and it said, the invention of Welch's grape juice. Uh, <laughs> I was like, no, sorry. come on. Or it's like, he said, like, I made sure to take the alcohol that's out right, of it. That's right. That's um, right. I'm sorry. <laughs> but but shying away from these things is not helpful. So this is the, this is the reason I appreciate you, Don, is because you're like we don't shy away from anything. We dive head first, and we're going to make it as <laughs> we're going to go on gonna record gonna go for an hour about what we think <laughs> yeah. about this. Let's, my favorite. Somebody asked me like, "Am I ever afraid that um, you know, like we could stumble into like celibacy?" <laughs> that was an old statement. Was, nobody, uh, nobody stumbles episode. into celibacy. Yeah, nobody drifts into celibacy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, but it was like, are you are you ever afraid that like people are going to listen to this podcast? You're going to become you know popular and it's going to hinder us. No. Like we've killed ourselves on every topic that exists. Like no, the, the, no, there is no way. But on, um, on this one, like my fear is that we shy away. Like if somebody asked me this question one to one, you'd be a fool. To shy away and to say, mm-mm, that, that was a different, like, mm-mm, like you, those two things can't coincide. Mm. It's like, now, let's be clear, just because it's the same word is used to describe it does not mean that they are the same mm. thing. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's like people use the word marriage to describe the uh, abominable <laughs> union between of. two men. Right. They're not the same thing. All right, so I'm going to try to make a correlation here. You know, we so we're we're looking at history, God's revealed will, God's description of slavery in the nation of Israel. Mm-hmm. Moses would judge over and his that, guidelines for it, right, and judge rightly. And and it, it it was for human preservation, flourishing of life, yep, for settling of debts, yep. So when you think about the American institution, and you think about believers, you know, this is kind of where yeah. this uh, part of this idea came from to talk about this was. You know, we don't go back into Old Testament historical truth and, and delete, yeah. right? We seek to understand in the light of the New Testament. And right. often, like, when we understand it rightly, we're blessed by it. Yeah. We identify in it and yeah. say, ah, oh, look at my Redeemer. Look at the one, the good master who set me free. So take, take a guy like Jonathan Edwards, yeah. right? Uh, what well, was a slave owner, and yeah. I would go as far as acquired other people yeah. through what I only, Sinful means. Yeah, through man's Yeah, stealing. let's just call it So, it you is. know, it's like when we look at that, you, you, you know, I've seen, I've seen in social media and the modern cultural climate is to cancel him. Yeah, cancel him. Cancel him altogether. Question his salvation. He's been such a help to my soul recently. It's yeah, so crazy. Like, why, like, why would, you know, why, why is there some, maybe some correlation there, right? Why would we not cancel anything that we see in the Old Testament, avoid slavery, and then also why would we you know, when we apply that to Jonathan Edwards, is there an yeah. ethic that we approach Jonathan Edwards and we can still approach it through God's providence 
understanding he's a fallen man and yeah. he's sinful, but yet he's a he's a help to not only you know God's work in the world yeah. and an instrument thereof was an then, instrument of the second great now. awakening. Yeah. So yeah. why like why like why would we why would we do well to like persevere with Jonathan even through clear revelation that he was involved in sin i guess i mean i don't know what yeah i'm involved in sin too yeah me too it's easy to look back i think too i i think it's a really cheap excuse to say that he was a man of his time like i don't think that that's i I agree with this that's a that's a cheap excuse right like yeah nero was a man of his time paul was a man of his time right but that that doesn't mean it's okay I think, but I do think it is easy to look back with rose-colored glasses, or not ro- maybe rose-colored glasses about our own lives, right? And say a romanticism, if you will. Yeah, to yeah. say, you know, how could he have that blind spot? When I think in two hundred years of the Lord tarries, people will look at us and say, "Wow, we were pretty casual with abortion." Mm. Big facts. Like, mm. you know, I you know I vote for pro-life people, mm. but like other than that, like something was happening under my nose, and mm. what have I done about mm. it? You know, and I think. Mm-hmm. So I think it's always easy to look back from the future and say, wow, you know, but also to realize if he died with sin, so will I, yeah. so will each one of us. Mm. And except not, we won't be judged on our merits. Except what? Except not. Like, yes, I'm saying in space that, and time, uh, we will still be sinners, but we will not be identified yeah. by our sin. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And there are things that. that our consciences are probably seared on. Yeah the way that his was seemingly all right do so, you think that his so sorry no you can this. go do you think that his conscience was seared or do you think that he could and i've not looked into this but it's just a question right, like, so you're about to saw you're about to say what i've been working through yeah like would he have been a good master yeah with so, the people that had been mm-hmm. uh you know yeah i think that doesn't quote, unquote, fix property. the man stealing problem no of course not no, no, no. of course but, not but once you get into the economy at the yeah, local yeah, yeah. level with the individual that being the christian yeah. You know, is is there a way in which that that could have been redeemed? Yeah. So providentially. Yeah. So this is this is where I am, and and I'm trying to be. Um, I'm trying to think through, and this is what I, I mean. I real when I tell you, I've been sitting with Jonathan Edwards for the past couple of weeks. I've been sitting with Jonathan Edwards for mm-hmm. the past couple of weeks. That's been my reading. Um, so I took took a break from Sibs, um, for a small period of time. But as I'm reading through this and I'm hearing about his sins, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also thinking about the way that he bowed to scripture. Mm-hmm. Now, do I think that he acquired slaves from sinful means? Absolutely. But I do wonder what would have been his guiding principle and how he treated them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm hard pressed. I, I have no record of this. I do think it's interesting that one of his slaves was the first black member of the church that he pastored in Northampton. Mm. That's really intriguing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the question is, I mean, from reading his his letters and reading things that he, you know, things that I saw him preach about, sermons, you know, it seems as though he would have evangelized. If he evangelized them, I think there is an assumption that needs to be understood that he saw them as image bearers. Mm-hmm because you don't evangelize non-image bearers. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that, I would assume that he treated them extraordinarily well. At bare minimum, I would say that under his understanding of the Exodus account that we read and the Deuteronomy and the account of Deuteronomy, that it would seem as though he probably would have treated them as such. Mm-hmm. Now, does that excuse the way that he purchased them? No. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
Um, I do think that that is an interesting proposition. I also think, and if I if I were there, and I'm 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 reading this on to him, and I'm reading this on to probably a number of other professing Christians in that day. If if my thought as I'm sitting at this horrid, wretched thing where people are being sold, mm. and I see this heinous, wicked, hateful man about to buy this woman, mm-hmm. what would I do? Mm-hmm. Because I might quickly throw my dollar in mm-hmm. and say, no, 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 not, not his house. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that's all reading in. That's all reading in. Um, well, let's, let's walk through this hypothetical because I, th- I think this will be helpful. Let, let's say he lived through multiple hundreds of years, right? Yeah. What sort of character... I mean, if we truly believe that the gospel reforms and abolishes, I can't help but think Jonathan Edwards. And I think about C.S. Lewis. Well, you can take his son. You can take Jonathan Edwards' son in this category. He was one of the he was one of the major proponents for the abolition of slavery. Yeah. I mean, I I look at C.S. Lewis the same way. Like C.S. goes off the rails on a lot of stuff. (laughs) He was like super unhelpful on like creationism. (laughs) A ton of stuff, Uh, bro. You should have just lived. You know, it's like I always when I encounter people, I always think. Man, if you did just live longer, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this would have fixed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I got, then I got some, which but then is it's like, like Solomon. Yeah, like yeah. maybe he could have lived a little yeah. less long. You know? <laughs> yeah. Then it's like maybe you should have died. <laughs> so, anyways, that's what I think yeah. about like Jonathan Edwards and other people of this era. It's like yeah. you know, do, do you think had they lived longer, they would have been active and ready participants in yeah. the aboli- you know, the abolishment of the institution of man stealing yeah. and the economy thereof. Yeah. And they would have been better for society themselves. Yes. And, and you know, to, to yeah. go through that, to live through that. Yeah. I do think it's a fascinating, like, uh, there's a fascinating correlation between Spurgeon and, yeah. um, absolutely. George and James Winfield. Boyce. Oh, I was going to yeah. say James Boyce. Oh, true. Where both in similar times, Spurgeon was completely against slavery and Boyce owned slaves. And it's just interesting. Huh. Um, I don't know. Spurgeon, Spurgeon was the most hated man in the colonies. Oh, like they burned Spurgeon's books. They burned Spurgeon's books. Really? Because he was anti-slavery. Wow. But I mean, you know, it's like, and and the other side of this is like, I just, you look at this and it is most certainly heinous and wicked. But one thing that I do take great comfort in, this is maybe a strange point, it really was the scriptures and it was pastors and faithful followers of Christ that said enough, mm-hmm. enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and that goes back to that Reformation aspect. It's like you have Spurgeon over here shouting across the pond mm-hmm. and making, you know, proclaiming and, and, mm-hmm. and even writing to mm-hmm. some slaves that were here mm-hmm. and encouraging them. Mm-hmm. And then you've got, and let's be serious, well, you have people who claim the name of Christ and were abusive and hateful mm-hmm. and, and wicked participants in this. And I have no problem to say that those who continued in that mm-hmm. were unrepentant and, li- and I would say likely, if not guaranteed, were unconverted. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, you know, we have to be willing to say both things, right? We have to be willing to say, you look back on Israel and, and God was using that for a good purpose. Mm-hmm. You look at this and you say, mm-mm, mm-mm, burn it to the ground mm-hmm. and those who would drive forward with it 
I mean, you think about it from a church discipline perspective. Yeah. You bar them from the table, mm-hmm. kick them out, treat them as an unbeliever. You know, I mean, uh, look, I mean, the whole canon was complete. I mean, the, yeah. the, this time in history, they had the full revelation of the canon. And more and so writing. Letter, well, it's like the letter that Paul wrote, masters, this is the type of master you should be, bond servants yeah. or slaves, this is the type of, you know, and don't neither party should seek to leave. And I don't think Paul's writing that stating yeah. that he's condoning and prescribing the perpetual, you know, perpetuation of slavery yeah. in all nations and all economy. I, I believe that his his writings in totality states that he knew, yeah, he knew the blood of Christ and the finished work of Christ would ref, would abolish yep. and reform. Yep, and it's like it just to me it turned Rome on its head. It yeah. turns that institution of slavery on its head, and I think by and large, like I don't understand how you can look at American history and not say. That it played a vital role, absolutely, in, in abolishing, you know, the the institution here of yeah. man's dealing, and that's why I think identity, seeing identity as something that is given by Christ, first and foremost, is so is so important mm-hmm. that like to to think of a person right as a mm-hmm. brother mm-hmm. or a sister as someone who in Christ will be around the same throne that I yeah. am around mm-hmm. that, you know, has all of the rights and privileges that mm-hmm. I have. That's where like, I think that understanding of this identity that we have in Christ breaks down those kinds of. I totally agree. Heartily agree. Because thoughts toward others better, even than image bear, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, no, I totally agree sweeter. Right. Well, I text y'all that verse. I think it's first Corinthians six twelve, where he says, I will be mastered by nothing. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, Okay, but he he's not excluded. That's not what I meant. Yeah, he's yeah. not he's not saying like I will not be mastered by Christ. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and nothing you know, else. Yeah, it's like so when we look at each other, you know what you're saying, Blake, is like I already belong to Him. Yeah, I will take no one as myself. It's the same demonstration that Paul says. You know, we say like, hey, we only have one Father in the faith. You yeah, know, it's mm-hmm. like. His Don't call anybody else yeah, Father, Father like, Abraham. Right, no. <laughs> right. You know, it's like, it's that same relationship in Christ when you're made new. It's like mm-hmm. once you take on that identity and realize the good master that you serve and that your debt has been paid and you're presenting your members as a slave to righteousness yeah. mm-hmm. and calling all those who are submitting their members to him as mm-hmm. their master and mm-hmm. all brothers and sisters. Like, I just have a hard time understanding how then I look at an equal child of God and say, I want to take you man steal you or even you know take you in as a as a slave you want know? anything but they're good well and it seems like that's what they had to do is yeah. they had to c- conceptualize that this was not a person yeah they had mm-hmm. to made in the image of god mm-hmm. yeah um I mean, which is gross mm-hmm. it's a searing of the conscience as you already mentioned mm-hmm. yeah but the like so thinking thinking about this let's let's jump forward okay i don't know a couple 200 years and here we sit today. God, you look old, bro. <laughs> I mean, finally went beard. bald all the way. <laughs> God, this man, dude, your mullet is awesome. It's a bald mullet. <laughs> you got so, just back hair and neck uh, hair. Stop. <laughs> no break. It just connects. <laughs> you said it, bro. <laughs> all right, we're fast forward two hundred years. Fast forward two hundred years. And I'm sitting with these idiots. <laughs> um, Still ain't left us. <laughs> the, uh, but y- you fast forward to the world we're in today. And we're, you look back on this from where we're sitting and we say, well, what, would, what, would, what was the primary thing that reformed? Mm. And we would say the blood of Christ did. Mm. The blood of Christ frees. The blood of Christ made a slave owner 
look at their slave and say, after they were converted, he's a brother. Mm. Mm. You can imagine the would impact that that would have. Would have shared yeah, yeah. worship in the household of God. Yeah, yeah. And the sad thing is, there were, certainly there continued to be divisions inside the household mm-hmm. of God. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's a terrible tragedy. Mm. Um, but the thing that reformed then continues to reform. Right. Mm. And, you know, we live in a day now where we're going outside of the thing that originally reformed mm. to try to reform it further. Mm. It's not going to work. Yeah, mm. any other economy or yep. means will always fail. Yeah, and, and it's it's Colossians one, it's Colossians two. Forgive me. If you're taken captive by another empty philosophy or vain deceit, you cannot expect it to have the transforming mm. power of the gospel. Mm-hmm. It just won't. Nothing else does. It's been mm. proven time and time mm. again. You want reconciliation to occur? Well, we have the ministry of reconciliation. Mm-hmm. You want mm. redemption? Well, mm. Christ is the means by which we have redemption. Mm. And so, like, it doesn't matter what category or what means of reconciliation is necessary. We go back to the same source. Mm. If I want true and lasting peace between every individual, I go with the same weapon of war, Mm. and it's the blood of Christ. And so the thing that gets me in our day and time, I think because we've misunderstood what reformed and we've Mm. placed, we think of the South in the 1800s and earlier as the South of today, the Bible Belt, which it was not. Mm. It's, It's the Bible coming. And it's the, the, the proclamation of the true gospel that began to do this great work. And I think when we've moved past that, now we're, now we're grabbing at sand and thinking that it's going to hold steady. And it's just mm-hmm. not going to. It's seeping mm-hmm. through our fingers. Mm-hmm. And so the hope is that if we understand the, the reforming power of the gospel in slavery, mm-hmm. and we think about the reforming power of the gospel in the thought in the, in the thinking of every individual, mm. then we just go forth continuing with that weapon of war and continuing and, and praying and trusting that it will continue to reform. Um, well, I think too, like when we, when we come to understand the miraculous nature of being freed from our original slavery. Yeah, absolutely. And to know that it has the power to break those bonds. Yeah. Then I don't think that we should shy away from offering it as the means of temporal Absolutely. release or, or, or abolishment or reformation of heinous evil institutions yeah. and economies. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, sometimes when, when we as the church offer these things, like the, the, you know, the broad view of the church, it's like we're shocked that the world Throws thinks it back it of lesser value yeah. and has mm-hmm. something else. And I think that's what oftentimes like discourages saints from offering this means is because we yeah. have a really low view Mm. Of like the miraculous nature of the blood and what mm-hmm. slavery we've been set free from, yeah. And that we're we're in reality we're offering this as true and lasting, yeah. And it, and it it yeah it has power over everything. And you know, a couple of weeks ago, you preaching through Romans six. Obviously, we t- we touched slavery, slavery to God in particular. And I remember saying from the pulpit, it's like perhaps it is that that word slavery is offensive to you. Mm. And I don't mean it in the sense of like you're thinking back of past things. It's really the reality that you subordinate yourself to your master mm-hmm. and you delight in that subordination. Mm-hmm. And so it's like the, the joy of being under the same head mm. is not only in submitting to the best head that has ever existed and will ever exist. Mm. It's looking around and saying that I'm in not just a, uh, I'm not like just a slave. Scripture carries me higher mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. a son. That's right. And if you think about the slavery that was inside of Israel, mm. it seems as though many of those 
people would have been treated as sons and yeah. daughters. Mm. So to get close to rapping, it reminds me, and we talked about it in the pastor's parlor and it was our call to worship. This, this whole picture to me is summarized in the prodigal son because you have, you, you have this servant who was enslaved and who, you know, just you see yeah. it and then you see like this position of brought back and he's presenting his members saying, yeah. mm. I will be enslaved to you, good father. Yeah. And how is he treated? As a son. Because he is. Yeah. Mm. And that's what's so beautiful yeah. about the gospel. Mm, yeah. It's like we, we get all of this robustly yeah. applied to our account. Yeah. Not mm. painted on, mm. but deposited. Oh, my goodness. Yes, sir. <laughs> so in conclusion, I have a Bible verse. It's Romans 6.19. He says, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. I'd like to thank my fellow elders, Lawson Harlow and Blake McCullough for the time spent today. Fellas, keep your jokes fresh <laughs> and your money stacked. My brothers and my friends, Godspeed. Uh.